Today's passage comes from Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 35. So you can follow along in the Bibles in front of you on page 1013. Peter's vision. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open in something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have not eaten anything impure or clean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be, to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only human myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with Gentiles or visit them. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the house of Simon, the tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. This is the word of the Lord. Now I feel even older, and the reason being, number one, of course, I, while she was reading, I picked up my glasses, and I noticed she wasn't wearing glasses. Then I listened to the speed and natural way that she read the scripture, much faster than I would have been able to get it out. So, <clears throat> yes, it's definitely my birthday. Um, each week we uh, try our best to finish the services by 10.50. We have it on our bulletin so that people don't have to leave the services early. We really are working at that. But I will say when you add the extra gift of a fire alarm and an earthquake experience that we're about to go through in a little while, it pretty well guarantees that we'll be watching the clock a little bit better than normal. Um, today, though, I, I would like for you to walk with me a little bit through some different things in this scripture 
and try to see if we can apply it to our lives and let us consider how the Scripture can give us guidance and direction. Now, I don't know how you are, but um, recently I was with a team from our church that went to Germany. And one of the things we found most fascinating in Germany was the experience of the food. Uh, They had all kinds of different German foods that were available. And uh, it was always, uh, it's always interesting to watch people's response toward different foods. They either look at the foods and say, wow, there's something I've never eaten. That's exciting. Let's give it a try. That's me. Then there are other ones that look and they say, wow, that's a different kind of food. Oh, my word, what am I going to do? That's some other people. They kind of struggle with anything new and always ask now, okay, this is fine, but... um, Do you happen to know if there's any kind of a Chinese restaurant nearby? Um, And I know you've never met anyone like that, but uh, there are a few of those people around. And so uh, while we were in Germany, we we went through some of those experiences trying to figure out exactly how to deal with that. But it was interesting because uh, Deacon Walter kept finding things and saying, you know, well, wow, look at that. And then I was able to hear the word no. Um, as different people, and it was basically the same as scowmang, you know, just help me, please, uh, because the last thing they didn't, they, they wanted to see something a little bit more familiar. Well, as we look at Peter, we have to look at the scripture in about verse 14 or so, where we saw him simply telling God, no. So that's the reason for the question. Do you ever tell God what his will is? We're not asking for the will of God. We're telling God what His will should be. Today we're going to be looking at Peter uh, in a different part of the Scripture. Uh, And we know who Peter is. We know that he was a very dedicated Jewish individual who was very legalistic, very realistic in in trying to apply his life to, to all aspects of his experience. Uh, feeling that... Um, uh, it was impossible for him to find himself in less than a purified state by relating to people who were not like himself. Uh, we know that, that Peter uh, allowed his legalism to impact what he ate, uh, who he made friends with, what he did. But we have to understand, in those particular days, the view was that if a Jewish person, even on the streets, bumped into a Gentile, it was their responsibility to go home and clean it off because they, they, they bumped into those non-clean individuals. Anyone that knows me knows that I like Peter as one of the models in Scripture because in Peter I see a very human character, a very human individual who has gone through a lot of experience. We know that Peter Rizzo was just an average Joe. He had a job, he was a fisherman, He worked, he did his job, but we also can see that Peter had strengths and weaknesses. We remember that Peter walked on water a little bit, walked on water and then he failed. We know that he was the rock that the Lord says, this guy is dependable. And then we also know that within a matter of moments, Jesus was even referring to him as being more like Satan than anything because he just simply was inconsistent in his walk. We know that there was a time when Peter corrected the Lord about his death. 
You know, the Lord was explaining what was going to happen, and Peter just said, it's not, that's not accurate. That couldn't be. We know that three times Peter denied Christ. We see successes, we see failures, we see models, we see models. Good models, bad models in Peter's life. And then we see how God somehow, in the midst of all the successes and failures, chose to continue to use Peter in ministry. Chose to build this one up and allow him to work through his difficulties in order to serve. The people of Israel were a chosen nation. They were selected by God. They were ones who most people would think of as uh, individuals who should have been thrilled to be able to say they were called out as a special, blessed group of people serving the Lord. But one of the problems was in their selection, they began to become a little elitist in their thinking. Began to view themselves a little more highly than they should. Began to view themselves beyond certain levels of sin. You know, yesterday, we had a a kind of a special time here in our church. It was called a reboot or recharging kind of meeting for our church to say, let us look at ourselves, admit our struggles, and look to the future in expectancy of what God can do. About 225 years ago, there was a guy named Kerry uh, uh, that had a, was a missionary, and he, he made a comment that just about everybody in here probably remembers because it's attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. And the thing that I noted even yesterday was, he, you know, this, this missionary didn't say attempt safe things for God and expect safe things back. He said attempt great things. Believe that God can do it and God will reach out into your life and bless you. The people of Israel reached a point that they found safety and security and comfort in their lives and began to forget what the initial purpose was for why God created them. They began instead of, or they did not continue in their pathway of reaching out to impact the world, but were very focused on themselves. Well, you know, before we start criticizing them and start saying those terrible people, I would have to confess to you that I grew up in an environment that was a very, if you will, pardon me for the terminology, but a very white environment. The uh, part of Texas where I grew up, I saw a person with black hair and yellow skin and spoke Chinese was uh, only on television. We just simply didn't have a whole lot of different races. Gradually, we had more and more Hispanics in our area. When I went to college, my roommate was Hispanic. And he was from Mexico. We were very, very close friends. But generally speaking, I also kind of got wrapped up in my own world. My own worldview was wrapped up in who it was I was around all the time. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't intended to be negative. But it became very natural for me, and my perspective of things was very much based on those people that I was with and the people that I was around. You know, we live in a world here where if you're never around a Christian, you can be pretty well guaranteed the mentality of those people will not be very Christian in their values, and their morals, their language, or anything else. 
if all you do is stay in the circle of Christians and have no clue what's going on in the lives and minds and values of those who are non-Christians, it's probably because you have no friends that are from that environment. If we're going to be an integrated Christian faith, we're going to have to get out and actually not fear those that are different from us, but remember that God created us for a purpose. The people of Israel had become ingrown. They were focused on themselves and their own comforts. And I understand that because I've been there and I've done that. When I first moved to Hong Kong, I can remember getting in an environment where suddenly I was the one man out. Because suddenly I looked around and instead of being where I was in Texas, seeing very few people that looked different than me, I was in an environment where everybody looked different than me. And so suddenly I had to start adjusting to to realizing, you know, these people have the same needs, the same spiritual needs for sure, that people do around the world. The people of Israel had an opportunity to serve and to be used but really struggled because they had become comfortable. They had become passive. Then they had become a bit arrogant as they saw themselves being above those people who were not followers of God. They didn't offer assistance for people to follow God, but they still saw themselves as that chosen people being better. Verses 1 through 8, which we did not read, are speaking about a man named Cornelius. As we look at chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, I'd like for us just to think through this experience. There's a man named Cornelius who, who was, according to the Scripture, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. This is in verse 2. Who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. I read that Scripture for, us for several reasons, and in a few moments we'll talk about them. But Cornelius was a soldier. He was a centurion. That means he had a group of people, probably up to about a hundred people, who were under his guidance. He could tell them what to do, and they did it. And even as the Scripture later says, that he sent several of them to find Peter, he, he was able to just order them, and they went, because he was the centurion in charge. But according to the Scripture also, it says that he feared God, gave generously, and prayed always to God. And yet this man was not Jewish. He did not technically have anyone helping him to come to know God, but in his spirit, in his heart, he knew there was a Creator God above him that he needed to give respect to. And so the Scripture describes him in a way that you would almost conclude he was a follower of God in every way, just like the Jewish people were at the time. It says he was a devout man. He feared God. And he prayed regularly. Um, several years ago in the United States, there was a, an argument or a debate that went around within some of the seminaries and some of the churches. Whether or not God listens to the prayers of a lost man. Could God, would God listen to the prayers of a person who would not follow him and it was not truly a redeemed Christian follower? I think as we look at this scripture, it clarifies for us very clearly. And it reminds us that certainly God listens to the prayers of a lost man because before we become 
a believer, we are lost. So the very first prayer that we're praying is one's asking for God to accept us into His family. We're saying we know we are sinners. It is a repentance action. But in this scripture, it says this man did not even know clearly all about God. And he sent his representatives to find Peter, to have Peter to come back up to his area to talk to him so that he would know how to truly walk in every way with God. That's a pretty hungry spiritual man. Uh, No, the, the sequencing was not perfect. He didn't first hear about Jesus, become a Christian, then fall. His was very much, I know there's a God and I walk with Him and I'm giving all I can to following Him, but I'm not sure exactly what that's all about. You know, sometimes in your life and mine, we don't fully understand all that God is doing with us or even how to follow God. When I look at Him and I see this testimony of a man that's saying, I don't know exactly how to follow God, but I know that what this world offers is not enough. And even me in my high position, it's not enough. I want to relate to my God. Recently, while in Germany, I had an opportunity with another minister. We were talking with this young lady about her faith. And the, the, the other minister, I don't know where he was coming from exactly, but he began talking to her about her need for repentance and reconciliation. And he kept, it was just one religious term after another. And each time he would drop one of those magic words, I could see this blank look go across her face. And I kept thinking to myself, because we were in, in a city called Leipzig. And on Leipzig, there's a, a, an opera house nearby, and they have outdoor concerts. And we had stopped and listened to these concerts that were done outdoor, just fantastic. And I kept thinking, you know, what he's doing is he's out singing these operas, and, you know, giving this kind of a presentation to her, and she's used to listening only to the radio and what the most recent little tune is that's on the radio. So you've got two people. It's Both are called music, but it was not matching. And she was missing out. Every time he would drop that one of those magic words. And so, praise God, then I had an opportunity to talk with the same lady. We switched the vocabulary a bit, simplified it, and tried to get it in an understandable form that she could grasp the simple realities of sin, and forgiveness, and God's love, and dependency on Him, and His desire to have fellowship with her, and to walk with her and guide her each day. She needed a guide. She needed somebody who could make it clear. I think as I look at what Cornelius was saying, he was very much saying, please God, give me a guide. I know you're out there. My heart is already hungry for you. But I just need somebody to give me some guidance. So he asked Peter to come and help him. We look in the Scripture and God's challenge to Peter, chapter 10, verses 9 to 16. Think out of the box, Peter. Now the think out of the box part was pretty tough for him. 
Again, we've already stated, Peter was a very good Jew. He knew the rules of society. He knew what it was to be clean and to be, in God's eyes, appropriate in what he did. He knew that eating meat that had not been already officially cleansed by God and by priests was unacceptable. So we see this story of this blanket, this sheet that came out with different foods on it. And if you look at the list of foods, you can see some of those foods were acceptable for a Jewish individual to eat, and some were not. But the idea of putting them all on the same sheet meant that the whole sheet's food were contaminated because it, it combined different types of animals and birds. And so suddenly, when God said, Here's your chance, Peter. You say you're hungry? Chow down. And he turned to God and he said, no way. I am righteous. I have to do that which is righteous. I find this scripture so fascinating that Peter, who has a desire to be righteous, now listen to this last part, desires to be righteous to his God, somehow was telling God no, 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 you're wrong. Now, Peter did this. We already know in Scripture he's done it several times already. But I'm wondering if you and I sometimes in our behavior also don't tell God, no, God, I know better. My will is right because my will surely must follow your will better than you think it does. Maybe you're confused, God. You haven't looked it over very well. The situation is, I'm doing it right and I know what to do. And Peter turned to God and said, no, no, no. God, I've got to be clean. I have to be righteous. And he was telling the God that he was desiring to serve what his standards should be. And he was saying, God, your standards are messed up. I know better. I think we all need to be careful and remember that he is Lord, not you, not me. We are here to serve Him, not Him meet our needs. The Father does not exist to try to make us feel good. He has His will. He has a plan for this world. You know, there's so many things. I remember when I was 11 years old, my father died. I mean, today's Father's Day. It's also my birthday, yes. But I can remember 11 years old and saying, God, Why? Surely you've made a mistake. Not my father. I need him. I can remember that prayer that I had to him. Pulling aside and saying, God, I don't understand. I'm confused. I need him for the rest of my life. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. If you had asked me then, I would have probably said, No, God, you've got the wrong plan. I think that we do that. The problem is I didn't have the whole plan. I didn't know what all God was going to do with my life and where He was going to allow me to serve. I didn't know how that was going to influence my life. Nor do you know how all of the experiences you have influence your life. Can we not learn, though, to realize that God knows what He's doing? Peter somehow got a little confused. And again, that's why I relate to Peter. Because sometimes I get confused. When we look at Peter, and he's dealing with this issue of the Gentiles, it's hard for him. 
He has always functioned in a world where He knew what, what right and wrong was. And so we have that blanket out there with all these foods, and then it's taken away. And so Peter's struggling, trying to figure out, what all did that imply? God is saying, I can eat anything. I should have killed and eaten and just gone on, and life would have been good. How does this work? But so we have to understand Peter's experience was very challenging for him because Peter had also equated his relationships with people based on this. The Jewish people were the select. They were the righteous. They were the ones to be in the midst of. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I would say if we're a healthy church, we would keep dreaming how we can have activities, outreach, ministries that reach lost people more and more. What can we do to get ourselves out of a secure, safe environment of just other Christians that live their lives exactly like we do and allow us to take the love of Jesus to others? Peter got that challenged. And it was thrown in his face and he was confused. But again, Cornelius's representative showed up at Peter's house, Peter the Tanner's house where Peter was staying. Peter, And so when he showed up, or when they showed up to find Peter and the representatives were there, Peter did some things that were very interesting because at this point we saw, we already knew that Peter had these uh, clear ideas on how much contact he was to have with Gentiles. But in the Scripture, according to this, number one, he dared to talk to them. He went downstairs from where he was praying, and he said, and he started speaking to these guys, which was already above and beyond the call of a righteous Jew. Righteous Jews knew, I don't have to waste my time on those lost people over there. You know, I, you'd be surprised how many Christians I have met that spend 95% of their time with other Christians. It's okay to be around non-Christians. Now, we need to do it with love and care and with goal and with purpose. Not to beat them over the head with Jesus, but to show them the love of Christ. To care for them. To make them know they're important and that God loves them. Peter had that opportunity, but again, Peter had already predefined. He had compartmentalized his life. The idea of an integrated faith that would be willing to carry him out into society was not yet developed fully. But in this particular case, these people showed up at his house and he's, he's talking to them, which was already unusual. And the Scripture even says it was unacceptable. They had already made it into a rule. Now understand, these rules were not rules from the Old Testament that had always been existing for years. These were man-made rules for what was appropriate and what was inappropriate. We have to be careful within our church to make sure that what we're doing and the actions we're taking are ones that are appropriate. And Peter got into that situation and then he did something even stranger. He invited them to stay in his home for the night. Now, the idea of a Jewish individual inviting a Gentile into his home was absurd. That was not even a consideration. Just to talk to these horrible, sinful Jewish or Gentile individuals was bad enough. But he had broken down every barrier he could imagine. And then, as we know, the Scripture says that then the next day, Peter packed up his stuff, went with these people to visit Cornelius. 
So basically, Peter's whole world, his values, all that he's known, his job, his life, his friends, everything, being turned upside down. I guess my challenge to me, you deal with your own challenge. That's between you and God. My challenge to me is, am I willing to keep letting God every day turn my world upside down for Him? I would ask that God would challenge me every day. Not too much. I want enough that, I want enough that helps me to be impactful with my life. But I don't want to break. But God knows how much I can handle. He knows how much you can handle. Peter had the opportunity and he took it. So he went to visit Cornelius. And he went in Cornelius' home. And that means, number one, he traveled with these other people, these horrible Gentiles, and he's struggling in his own mind, still trying to grasp about the sheet or the blanket with the foods. And he realizes, okay, the foods are definitely related to my ability to eat freely, act freely, live freely, be impactful on my society. I don't need to live in a box, even a religious box. I need to be useful. But gradually he realized, and my box included people. Brothers and sisters, people are why Christ created us. We are here to serve Him, to reach out to people and to care. And we see Peter gets there. and What a temptation. You walk into a room and this guy immediately falls to his feet in praise of your, you know. It's such a temptation to say, boy, that feels good. That guy really respects me. This is wonderful. Peter immediately responded and lifted him up and said, no, 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 no. Don't get confused. I am only the tool. I am the messenger. I am here to help and encourage, but I'm just like you are. I am a sinner. Any of us who ever forget that and allow our pride to take over our lives, thinking we're better than someone else, we've made a major mistake. And so we see Peter. He's clarifying this for Cornelius. And he says, it's inappropriate to worship me. You know, we have to remember the Jewish people basically thought of Gentiles as dogs. They were the lowest of the low because they did not have a relationship with God. Suddenly, Peter is meeting a Gentile who walks with God, who fears God, who prays to God, and is hungry for growth. Most people that we talk to or a challenge for us when we try to share with them about Christ. But every now and then you're going to hit someone and they're going to be just like Peter. They're going to be a someone, they're going to be an individual that has been looking for God and needed somebody to tell them. I've had that experience a few times in my life where suddenly I felt like somebody somewhere had missed the opportunity to talk with this person because they were just waiting to know God and to understand who Jesus could be in their lives. Thinking outside of our box is sometimes a challenge for us. A number of years ago, when I, the first time I went to a part of China, and they pulled out 
the silkworms to eat. I can still remember they brought it out in a nice big wok and the silkworms were all still kind of wiggling around. You know, they, they do it, cook it in oil and the oil has them kind of, they're just bubbling around on top of that. And I looked at them and I realized I'm going to have to put that in my mouth. And I can still remember thinking to myself, gee, I wish I had some Heinz ketchup. You know, anything that would help this slip on down a little easier would be good. And I can remember what the experience was like because afterwards these same friends were trying to be nice to me. These were non-Christians, but they, they had some wonderful things to say. And as we were leaving, they gave me six cartons of cigarettes. Cartons of cigarettes. I'm not talking about packages. I'm talking about big things. And I walked off and thanked them, you know, and you take it with two hands and thank you so much. And you walk off and you're thinking the whole time, what in the world am I going to do with six cartons of cigarettes? Got on the airplane, put my six cartons of, of cigarettes up top. And when I landed in my destination, it hit me. I don't have to take the cigarettes with me. I can leave them right there and let the airplane deal with it. These stewardesses, it's their baby. Because they're worth money, but I'm not going to give them to anybody I know. And I'm sure not going to use them, so I left them. What happened to the cigarettes? I have no clue. They disappeared into thin air. The point is, sometimes we face challenges in life that push us. They're challenges beyond our normal world. They take us to a new level of trying to understand you know, what we need to do. But it demands of us uh, that we need to understand flexibility. Peter worked through his experience. It was not easy. He had his cultural understanding. He had his values. He had everything to get together on what he should be doing. And yet he said no to God. He told God what he should be doing at first. But gradually we see repentance going on even in the life of Peter. As he went through that experience and he worked through it and eventually said yes. He said yes to being a guide. He ended up becoming a guide for Cornelius. He ended up becoming a witness for those other people that traveled with him back up to Cornelius' home. God used him and blessed him. Because he eventually remembered that yes is the right answer to God. Brothers and sisters, my challenge for you and for me is that we would find joy in saying yes to being a guide in the name of our Lord. Let us pray. Father, today we come before you asking your guidance in our life. We ask that you would humble us and remind us each and every day that it's not because we have a lot to offer or we're smart or we've studied a lot or we know the Bible well that you have chosen us. We just simply want to give praise that you allow us to serve you. Father, we would ask that we would be more and more worthy servants each and every day, that we would know what it is to find you as our guide and have your will being that which directs us each and every day. Father, we ask that we allow Peter's testimony of successes and failures to be one that challenges us. In Jesus' name.